I'm Karen. And I'm Michelle. We're sisters. And homeschool moms. Welcome to the Layers of Learning podcast. Where we talk about family style homeschooling. Hello, welcome to the Layers of Learning podcast. I am Karen and I'm here with my sister. Hi, I'm Michelle. And today we're going to talk about a little bit of a tougher topic in a way. We're going to talk about teaching resilience to your kids. And we're going to do this from the perspective of homeschool moms who are actually with our children and we have to help them work through difficult things. I think it can be extra challenging to be a homeschool mom because all moms talk about, hey, I'm a mom 24-7. And that's really true. It's really true. We never even get to send our kids off to school. I mean, we could. We're choosing this. Right. But... But it can wear on you when you are with your kids all of the time and you feel like all of their education is on your shoulders. And it's not just the math and the science and the reading and writing. You're teaching them how to live, how to be people. And this is one of those life skills that we're going to talk about today, how to be resilient. So some people call it mental toughness. There's different ways of, of talking about this or thinking about it. Dealing with stress. Dealing with stress. But the psychologists call it resilience. And basically it means the ability to bounce back from tough things. And it could be something that is minor like frustration over a math assignment. Or it could be something really major like a huge life thing like working through a divorce. Or coming back from a horrible accident. Or a major illness. Or even something like abuse. Yeah, and those things, you're not just going to bounce back from automatically. You have to have some tools, whether it's the math problem or whether it's a chronic illness. You have to have some tools and know how to deal with it so that you can overcome the problem in a way that you still stay intact mentally. And so this hopefully will help parents to, to understand resilience and we're really hoping that these will be some tools that you can use to help your kids as they face some of these tough things that will come up. And the best place to start with teaching resilience is in your homeschool when they're having frustration over math or a reading assignment or they're not wanting to participate and you're making them <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because they have to learn how to deal with tough things. It's really, really helpful when we as people can learn things when the consequences are smaller so that when the bigger problems come up and the consequences are greater, we're equipped with the tools to handle them. Right. So the same way that you're going to bounce back from the tough math problem is, you know, you're going to use those tools to bounce back from the really big, tougher problems. And everyone, your children are going to have hard things in life. Everyone does. Everyone loses a family member at some point. Everyone has to deal with illness. We all have major life things that happen to us. Loss. There, it's it's going to happen. happen and you can't protect your kids from it. And so you need to teach them how to deal with it. So everyone's brain is equipped to figure out a way to work through and deal with pain, whether that's emotional pain, physical pain, mental pain. Our brains are equipped to figure out how to deal with that. Some of those ways are healthy and some of them are not. Well, and some people seem to be naturally more gifted at it. I'll give an example. Some people are much more natural optimists and other people are more pessimistic. That's a trend that happens in our minds. We all handle things differently and people have different levels of resilience naturally. Some things will come easy for 
for some people and will be very difficult for others. So you have to recognize there are some differences. This isn't all learned. There are some learned tools and then there are some natural gifts that happen too. But resilience can be learned. It so it, it doesn't matter what you think that your gifts are or what your children's gifts are in this regard. These strategies can be learned and they can be built on. So what gives people, some people, greater resilience than others? One of those things is having supportive relationships. This can be inside a family. Those are the most important. So work really hard at building, loving, supportive relationships. Your children should feel like there are people they can go to who will not laugh at them. I love the analogy that a family is your soft place to land. It's like, no matter what happens to you, hopefully in your family, you can be like the cushion under your kids. That doesn't mean you're going to make everything easy, but it does mean that no matter what happens to them, they know that you will always be there. And that is the most comforting way to tackle something hard is to know that no matter what, there's somebody there who's got your back. So those supportive relationships are key. And these can be built, you know, of course, in your family, among your extended family, with friends, close friends, and you should be working at building some of those relationships around your children. And they don't have to be only people your children's age. Like we think of friends in the modern day as they have to be your peer group. But some of my kids' best friends are adults who are 30, 40, 50 years older than them. Who have helped mentor them in different things. Like yes. your kids are involved in scouts, so maybe they're scoutmaster or, you know, they've done 4-H and some of their 4-H leaders have yes. been, they've been mentors they become, for your they kids. They've become very close to some of those people. And those people are places they could go if they have difficult things in their lives. Someone they can talk to without fear of being criticized or laughed at. Those are important relationships to build. You also need to have people who are role models. And this is the same people. Mm -hmm. People that your children can look to. If you're looking at an adult, we have a really good friend. And he is a, a army veteran. And he is partially paralyzed because of his experiences in the military. He's been through some really, really hard things. And my kids can look at him and look at his attitude and the way that he's dealing with it. He's in pain all the time. You wouldn't know it. My kids are aware because we've talked to them about it. But... His attitude is so amazing, and they can look at him as a role model of how to deal with tough things. We also need to have people that we can just trust, like we talked about, people you can go to that won't laugh at you. Someone that you can tell all your fears to, someone who you can pour your heart out to, that you know they won't go blabbing to someone else. And if you're the parent or the, the grandparent or, you know, if you're the person who's teaching in the homeschool it's important for you to be that person they can trust. I mean, they might have other people too. Hopefully they do. But that means keeping their secrets in a sense. It yeah. means private things are private. Yeah, and don't they, laugh at them, even if you're tempted to sometimes. Because sometimes a child's problems can seem silly to an adult. But they're not silly because that's what they, that's their big feelings that they're dealing with right then. And so if you can be a person who they know they can come to you and you're going to listen and you're not going to laugh, and you're not going to run off and tell somebody else. And you're not going to judge. You're not going to start scolding them for the way they're feeling or the ideas they've had. Yeah, you get to be that trusted person. And so those, those relationships are probably one of the most important things that allow us to be resilient because there is nothing harder than feeling alone when you're facing a problem. Okay, the next thing that gives people great resilience is the ability to make a plan or set a goal and carry it out, follow through with something, to know that they can be in one spot and move into another spot in their life. 
They can make things happen in their life. That's really powerful. I really love the analogy of a mountain when it comes to teaching resilience. So the mountain that's in front of you is your problem, whatever problem it is you're facing. And it might be that you are hating writing and you've got to write an essay. It might be one of these huge life problems that we talked about. But whatever it is, you're facing this mountain and you have to decide how you're going to approach the mountain. You might be looking at it and saying, oh, this mountain's too hard. I'm just going to fall. I'm just going to crumble and I can't do it. But if instead you can say, I'm looking at this mountain and I'm going to get to the top. I'm going to see the view. You've got to have that goal in place. And then along with the goal, you've got to make a plan to climb the mountain. Exactly. So you need to, and your plan needs to be very specific. If, if we're talking about a literal mountain, you're going to bring water and snacks with you, maybe a meal, depending on how long and how hard this mountain is. Hopefully you're also bringing along the people who will help you climb this mountain, a guide, uh, someone who will rest with you, someone who will... Those people you trust. Those people you trust, exactly. So if you're dealing with getting over the mountain of cancer, you're going to have people who are helping you. Some of them will be doctors. Some of them will be family members. You're also going to have a plan. Well, we're going to do this day and then this day and then this day. And you're going to realize the mountain isn't the end. There's something on the other side. Right. You have to have that that view of the goal. You have to see why you're doing this thing and it makes you more able to, to keep climbing. And then the next kind of tool is to have a positive self-image of yourself and your abilities to know that you can climb that mountain. And when children are young, this image of themselves is given to them by their parents. They see themselves the way that you see them, the way you talk to them. We've talked about this before your voice becomes their inner voice. Mm-hmm. And so that doesn't mean that you have to perfectly word every single thing that you say. But I think that you do need to be intentional with how you treat your kids. And we tend to scold when kids do the wrong thing. And we forget to praise when they do the right thing. Right. I think that if we reversed that and we had 90% of it being, wow, you impress me. You're, this, you're all of these amazing things. This can be really hard when you have a child that's frustrating you. Often the child who is most like you is the one that pushes all your buttons, right? <laughs> so it can be hard if you have a child that's like that. But purposely, every single day, look for things that they're doing right. Look for things that are good, that are great. And even if it's them. tiny, even if it's tiny, it might be a tiny thing that they did, but, but pick up on it. Because the more you do that, it's not just that you're pointing out good things. It's that when you point out good things, they actually develop a desire to do more good things. And they start to see themselves as a person who does good things. They are a good person. And they are. They are a good person. Your children are good people. Mm -hmm. They're strong people. They're intelligent people. They're growing people. And they need to see themselves that way. And they do that by the way that you talk to them and the way you treat them. Yeah. So you have to sometimes point out that self-image too. Sometimes you have to say to your kid, this is a mountain, but I know that you can climb this mountain. And when you make them work through some of those hard things, you don't let them off the hook about the difficult essay. You actually make them do it. When they're done, you can say, look, you did do it. It was hard, but you did do it. And look at how great you did. I think one of the worst things I'm seeing happening right now with a lot of people around me is they say, Oh, there's a mountain. I'm going to move it out of the way for my kid. They don't have their kid do the hard thing. They 
eliminate all of the struggles and all of the problems and consequences. And when they do that, their kid feels like, oh, mom didn't think I could climb that mountain. Or maybe their kid's just happy, but the kid doesn't think they can do it. They haven't developed. We talk a lot about self-esteem nowadays, but real self-worth comes from doing hard things and achieving things. Learning that you can do the hard thing, not having the hard thing moved out of your way. Exactly. That's where you really, you think, oh, I can do this. I'm smart enough. I'm strong enough. I'm, you know, I'm able, I have, I have talents. I can do this. It's really, really hard when you're a parent to do that because you love your kids so much. You want it to be easy for them. Yeah. We want to smooth the road. And in some ways you still should, you know, in certain things, it's not like we're telling them we're throwing them to the wolves, but you need to let them deal with some hard stuff too. Well, and this is kind of a random example. It just popped into my head, but my son, when he was 16, he started at our community college. And so I had been homeschooling him his entire life. And this was kind of his first foray out into the world. And I was nervous because I felt like it wasn't just him. It was a reflection on me. I had taught him and was he ready and did I do enough and all of the things. I was really nervous. And he was taking a class and this was actually a, a history of theater class. He needed to take like a humanities type thing. And so he thought that one seemed the <laughs> least painful of the humanities for him. And so he took this theater class and he really, really enjoyed it. And he got to go to a lot of plays and they analyzed plays and things like that. But it came up that his theater professor gave him this play to read that was really, really inappropriate. And he was really uncomfortable. He came to me and said, mom, this is just full of garbage. And it really was. It was something that I wouldn't have wanted to read. And the theater professor was just being controversial to be popular with the teenagers. I think it wasn't a super valuable piece of literature or anything like that, but he wasn't sure how to handle it. And I really wanted to swoop in and go yell at that professor and be like, what are you doing? Having my 16 year old, but he's in college, but he's in college. (laughs) Yeah. And it wasn't right for me to move that mountain for him, but I did be the supportive mom. I said, Ty, how can we handle this? What do you think you would like to do to handle this? Do you want to, and you know, we talked about different options. You can just kind of fudge by and read some Cliff's notes and see if you can do well enough on the test. You can go talk to him. What do you want to do? And I did offer the option. I said, do you want me to go talk to him? And I was so proud of my son because he said, mom, you don't need to talk to him. I can. And he went and talked to his professor, which I know is not an easy conversation. And the professor was actually really awesome about it. He said, you know what? We're going to have the discussion in class. You have to be a part of class. But when it comes time for the test, I'm going to give you this alternate play. You're going to read it. I'm going to hand out everybody's test and I'm going to hand you a different one. And no one's even going to know that you read a different play. And so that's what they did. And so I thought that was pretty awesome of that's, the That's really professor. great of the professor. But my son handled this mountain, which I know it wasn't cancer, so, but, but he future, did it. In the future, he's going to have a boss yeah, who is going to be doing something difficult, and he's going to have to confront someone in authority, and he's going to have this practice under his belt. Yeah, so once you can help your kids, I thought he was actually more mature in handling it than I was at that moment. I was really proud of him because I didn't know what to do as a parent, but... I'm really, really glad that I didn't move that mountain for him because it wouldn't have done anything for him for me to go and yell at the professor. Instead, he calmly went and talked to the well, professor and, and solved he's, it. He's handled something like an adult. He's, he's made, you know, he made his first step into adult life and he knows he can do it. Mm-hmm. He's, oh, okay, I can handle this kind of stuff. Yeah. And so it, 
those are the kinds of tools that you want to give your kids is, hey, you can climb this mountain. You've got a team to help you. Let's hash it out. Let's make a plan. And I know that you can do it. You're, you're instilling on them, you can do this thing. Okay, so the next tool is communication skills, and that goes right in with what we were talking about. Being able to explain to someone where you're at, being able to listen and follow directions, those are communication skills. Most of us can deal with any problem that comes up if we can wrap our minds around it. And a lot of times people need to talk things out to wrap their minds around their problems. And they need to be able to listen to advice, filter it, decide what's important and what they won't work for them. You know, so these are all parts of communication. If you can't, if you have these trusted people in your life, but you can't talk to them about your issues because you've got some kind of communication block, that's not helping you. It's a dead end. So teaching your children how to talk about the difficult things is important too. I actually struggle with that still. Like being able to talk to people about my most inner feelings because I'm a really private person. I don't do that easily. So I've been trying to help my kids do it because I'm hoping that they will maybe not go into adulthood with so much of that that I've had. So Okay, and the next one is problem solving skills. So, And this kind of goes along with being able to make a plan or set a goal. You need to be able to see the problem and break it down into its parts and figure out how to deal with it. And finally, I think that you need to develop the ability to manage and control strong emotions. I think part of that is recognizing that the emotion itself does not hurt you. If you can learn to talk about your emotions and recognize what does that feel like to you? Like, like I know when my kids get frustrated, we talk about how they feel like they want to clench their fists and their stomach might be tight and their jaw tightens up or their yeah you physical things happen to you when you feel emotions and it can feel painful but it's not actually hurting you does that make sense michelle it's like yeah you need to put it in its proper perspective that the emotion is a signal that something outside of you is going wrong and learning how to deal with that in a way that's you, not damaging. Yeah, you get to feel all the feels. Describe how you're feeling and all of that because that will then help you to say, okay, I know what I'm feeling and now let's make a plan because I don't always want to feel this way. And we can do this as parents too. Our kids, like, they push our buttons and they, they I think they, I don't know, do they send kids to some kind of school where <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be your mom and if you really want to get her, do this because they seem to know how to really... I don't know, but they'll push your buttons and you'll fly off the handle. And so as adults, we're still learning this process of dealing with our emotions appropriately. And if we can help our kids, I'll give them such a head start on life. Well, and I think a huge part of helping your kids in that is modeling that for them. You can't tell them not to lose their temper if you're losing your temper stop, every day. Stop shouting at people. Yeah, <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> that doesn't work. So not that you should never feel things. But your feelings don't have to dictate your actions. You get to feel things and recognize the feelings you have and then make a plan for your actions that comes from your logical side, not from your emotional flying off the and, handle and side. And that plan needs to be made when you're not upset. Yes. It needs to be made at a calm point. And, and you need to help your children. If you've noticed that something always sets them off, you know, little brother keeps mimicking them. I don't know if you've ever had that happen. <laughs> 
you have more than one child. You have more than one child. And a little brother keeps mimicking them, and it just makes them fly into a rage every time and want to hit little brother, right? Mm-hmm. Well, if you can step back with them when they're not in that rage stage and say, now, you know that Jimmy is going to do this. How can you handle it when he does? Right. Don't give him the answer necessarily, but help him work through what he can do to negate the effects of little Jimmy. And meantime, you can go talk to little Jimmy about his behavior too. But right. Separately though. I separately. Think, yeah. I think often it's helpful when we separate it. We often, if, a, if two kids are fighting, we want to pull them together and be like, okay, let's hash this out. But then the argument sparks up again. Right. Yeah. And besides, I've learned that it's always both of their fault. <laughs> Yeah. It's never one person. Well, so. that, that's what they do when they're together is they're trying to argue against the other person. Yeah, they want, they, well, it was really his fault because... But when you separate them, first of all, it gives them a minute to calm down. And then secondly, you get to say, I'm going to talk to them about what they did wrong, but let's talk about what you did wrong. And you can kind of... They start to take ownership for their emotions and their actions and they get to, you know, talk about those feelings with you and make a plan for what they will do instead of creating blame in a situation. Yeah, and, and at some point your kids are going to be dealing with much bigger emotions than frustration because Jimmy is mimicking them. When they're little, that is a big enough emotion for them. Mm-hmm. But they may end up dealing with serious feelings of betrayal at some point in their life. They may end up feeling in enormous loss or sorrow. And if you haven't learned how to compartmentalize and analyze your feelings, you can get lost in that. That's Some people can fall into depression, into drugs, into alcohol. That's how that happens a lot of times. Yeah, and so it's important when your kids are dealing with the smaller things to teach the skills that will help them deal with the big things that inevitably will come along. So in your homeschool, you're probably going to have problems that come up, maybe even on a daily basis, where your kid faces this problem they don't think they can do. Like a math problem. Yeah. So they're they're sitting there and going, I cannot do this math. And they are frustrated. They throw their pencil down. They shut down mentally. They might slam their book or, you know, yell or whatever it is that happens. But they shut down. So what do you do first, Michelle? Every one of my kids is different, first of all. So my strategy might be different based on my child. And so you need to think about your own child and how what is going to work for your child. Okay. So some of my children, they just need a minute. Okay. They just need to step away for a few minutes. So I'll say, okay, you know what? Why don't you go read your book for 20 minutes and then we'll come back and try it again. That might work for one of my children. So you're not going to remove the mountain. You're not going to say you don't have to do the math problem. No, but, they, but, but you the, might give them a break. If they're in a spot where they've shut down mentally, we're not going to get any math done. That's just not going to happen. You cannot force math into someone's head. So you need to give them a break to mentally calm down, emotionally calm down, reopen those gates and you reopen the gates by giving them a different task and then they're ready to come back and try again. I think sometimes a change of location can be really helpful for my kids. Like if they're sitting at their desk and they're frustrated, we might say, you know what, we're going to go over to the couch and read a story and then we'll come back and tackle the, the math problem. Yeah. Or sometimes I will have my child do the math problem on the chalkboard instead of on the piece of paper Mm -hmm. in front of them. Sometimes just something like that will make a difference. Another thing I will do is have them do something physical. That can be really helpful for my kids. Okay, you know what? You get a 10-minute break out on the trampoline. I want you to jump the whole time. And when you come back, we'll be ready to do math again. I think also if I talk to my kids about what's frustrating them, it can be helpful. I have a couple of kids who are real talkers. They need to talk things out. And so 
I'll say, explain to me what the problem is. Like start to walk me through it like you're the teacher. And that's kind of how we make the plan. I see where they're at and then we can forge a plan to move on. And that might be after the physical break or after the, you know, it depends on how, how high the level of frustration is. Sometimes we can skip the break and just say, okay, let's take a minute and tackle this together and make a plan together. And a lot of it's just talking and listening to what they're saying, not just telling them what to do. And I, I, w- I had one son who was having this kind of emotional breakdown repeatedly. It would happen all the time. And so at a point when he wasn't upset, you know, this wasn't during school. This was, I took him aside at another time and I talked to him about what he was feeling. And he talked to me, explained what he was feeling and what, how it was so frustrating and how he just, he just got all clenched up and he just couldn't. And I said, well, what can we do? What can you do when this happens again? Cause you know, you're going to feel frustrated again. So what can you do so that your behavior doesn't, you know, turn into this tantrum? And so we decided that for him, breathing would work. So he would mm-hmm. in and out, real slow breaths. And, and he would just do that for a few minutes and then he'd be ready to start again. And so he started to do that and it really worked. And after a few months, he got to the point when he didn't even need that anymore. He had learned to control that emotion. I have a daughter who has a stress ball and she, we kind of, we get her stress balls as gifts sometimes because we joke about it, but she really does need to clench her fists up in the stress and then release it. And when she releases it, you watch her shoulders go down. And so when she's facing something tough, she's learned that she can just tightly and then release. And it completely helps her to just start again, to know that I can do this. I just needed a second. And so that works for her. And those, those are great coping strategies for when the emotions just rise really high. We also need to have coping strategies for when things are a little bigger. You may lose a family pet. Um, and this is con- going to be really big for some kids. Like it could be a really emotional, traumatic thing. How can you help them work through that? I mean, a, a lot of times we might just we might not realize what's going on inside their hearts and we might just let it go and ignore them. Dismiss. Dismiss it. We may not even know that it's that big of a deal. So we need to be paying attention to our kids. If they do need some help working through something, we can teach them some bigger strategies, more than just the momentary anger or frustration kind of emotions. We can teach them things like meditation or prayer or journaling. These are all things that help us get our thoughts out to somewhere bigger than us and help us center ourselves and think things through in a calm way. I love the journaling back and forth kind of a concept, or some people do it in letter form, but where you write a note to your kids and then they write a note back and then you write a note back and you respond back and forth in writing. And we used to, when my kids were littler, before we moved to this house, we used to have a whole little mailbox system. And so I would leave them notes and then they would put a note back in my little mailbox. And it was really, really fun. And it helped them to know that they could come and talk or they were writing, but they could tell me about their things that they were thinking about. And those things were never judged. I just wrote back to them personally. And so some kids will do well with something like that, where they can just get their thoughts out on paper. Another thing that has happened in our homeschool that has been difficult for my kids is sometimes we'll have changes. Like I will decide to introduce a new topic and they're like, but we've never done that before. How can we have to do it now? They have a difficult difficulty just with change in Mm -hmm. itself. And so I think teaching them that change is normal, it's going to happen and you know, different ways to deal with it can be good. So I think another strategy for helping kids to 
overcome things is to actually sit down with them and set goals. So we do this at the beginning of every school year. We set goals. And then periodically throughout the year, we refine our goals or go back and see how we're doing or just talk about it. Um, But a kid isn't going to have a lot of growth if they don't climb the mountain. You know, if they don't do the hard things in your homeschool, they're not going to learn what they need to learn to be ready for the next step in life or the next thing that they're going to be learning in school or anything. So setting a goal means looking at something that you can't do right now and making a plan for learning to do that thing. And then once you're there, you're on a new level of the mountain and you set a new goal. So they might have a goal to learn a new thing that they haven't been able to do at all before or that they've never encountered. Like my son who builds drones, he knew nothing about 3D design or engineering or anything like that or even computer languages when he started. But little by little, he set goals and built the skills to be able to do that. And then he now knows how to design and he has built and raced his own drones completely from scratch. That was a mountain that seemed impossible. He saw it on YouTube and wanted to do it, felt impossible. He broke it down into small goals and learned all the skills he needed to. So if you can teach your kids that concept of Setting goals means planning to do something that you're not capable of right now. It's okay to not be capable right now. We're going to work our way up in the skill set to capability. Helping them learn to break that down into little steps that they can manage. Like the big goal can feel overwhelming. But if you go, oh, well, what's the first step? Oh, I can do that first step. Mm -hmm. I I can read that book about that or I can watch that video about that. That part I can do. That part I can do. And, and so then, then you move on to the next step and the next step. I think one of the things that I've really enjoyed in our writer's workshop when I do this with my kids, I like having them write about themselves sometimes. So we have a lot of assignments that are about the things we're learning. They're about whatever a book that they've read or whatever. Layers of learning, but, yeah. but even then, you can take the things that you're learning about and you can apply it to them. And so have them write, what do you learn about yourself from this character? Or say they're if, reading about an adult. What do you picture your life is going to be like when you're an adult? Anything like that that relates back to themselves or their goals or how they see themselves. I think that helps to develop that self-image that we talked about. And it helps them to see themselves from the perspective of an outside person looking at yourself. Have you ever thought about that? Like you see yourself from your own mind. (laughs) But if you can take yourself out of your brain and look at yourself as though you're a different person. That's really, really building when you see, oh, look at my qualities, look at who I am. And it's an interesting concept to teach kids. So we've talked a lot about how you might have little problems like the math problem or something that you want to learn and how that teaches your kids how to deal with the big life stuff. But one of the biggest challenges that homeschool moms tell us about is when in their family, they actually have the really big, tough problem happening right now. They have a child with a serious illness, or they're in the middle of an adoption process, or, or a divorce, a divorce or, or even moving. Moving, moving can moving. be really hard for kids and, well, for all of us, let's get real. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's hard to move and feel like you're starting over, and you don't have that network of people at the beginning when you move somewhere. Or maybe you're, you're trying to put together a blended family. I mean, these can all be really, really tough things. And you're homeschooling in the middle of it. And if you think that those things are not going to disrupt your homeschool, you're wrong. They are. Life is going to happen. These big, hard things are going to come up. And if you think you can just ignore it and keep homeschooling, 
it's not possible. You're going to be frustrated, first of all. You're going to feel like a failure. Instead, you need to, again, look at your problem realistically and think, well, what can I actually do? Define the mountain. Say, hey, this is a really big problem that we have, but this isn't going to define us. We're going to climb this mountain. We're not going to fall off of it. What are some steps that we can take so that we can climb it? It might not always be 100% happy. So if you think that you're going to have a perfectly happy homeschool in the middle of a really huge mountain challenge, you need to release that idea and change your expectations a little bit. But it's important that as you're going through this, your kids are part of, they're also going through the big stress thing. It's not just you that's going through it. So you all need to be talking about it together. And what is our strategy as a family? How are we going to deal with this? Make what are, some small steps. Yes. And, and then decide, well, what are the most important things that we want to be sure happen in our family during this time? And these aren't just homeschool things. What's the most important things? It's really important to us that we keep being kind to one another, that we remember our manners and stay polite and nice, even though we're all going through this big stressful time. And that could be like the most important thing. I remember when we were building our house. I feel like I talk about this a lot because this because was, one it was of, big. It was a defining moment in my family's life when we built our house because we actually built it. We didn't have a builder and we weren't just making decisions. Our kids were swinging hammers with us, you know. So it was a huge, huge thing. And it took a year out of our lives. And I remember that it was really hard for me because I'm a person who loves tradition, Our holidays, we have filled with all of these traditional things. And we, you know, at Christmas time, we have our things we do. At Halloween, we have our things we do. We have a start of term feast every year. And we do all of these traditions. And I love our traditions. And they define our family. And the year we built our house, I felt like we were losing all of our traditions. And to me, that was a foundation that was so hard for me to lose. And it might not make sense to you if you don't love traditions like I do, but it defined me and it stole something from me when we didn't have that. And I worried that our family wouldn't be what I wanted it to be without them. And so I decided we have to still have traditions. And so we developed different traditions. We couldn't do the things that I wanted to you before. You couldn't decorate your house for Halloween because you didn't we have a didn't house. didn't have a house. <laughs> so instead, we made little mini traditions that we did. My husband had certain times that he could be there and certain times that he had to be at work. And so when he was home, we went and worked on the house together. Afterwards, we started going to the same little shop that sold ice cream. And we would get these ice cream cones. And they were these incredible ice cream cones. On the way home after a big long day of work, we had an ice cream tradition. And then we had this CD in our truck that we would listen to. And we all sang songs on the way home from working on the house. And it was always the same CD and the same songs. And my kids still laugh when they hear this because they're like, that's when we built the house. They still associate it with it. (laughs) The playlist of building the house. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And so I took this problem... And it's not like that's what built our house, but this little thing, these little mini traditions helped build our family and it helped me cope with this really, really hard time. And it doesn't make sense that these songs and this ice cream made everything all better, but they did because we made a plan and we made it work and I knew that there was a goal and we just needed these little things to get us through. And as far as your actual homeschooling goes, when you're going through really tough things, You need to look at your priorities there too. What is the most important thing to you in your homeschool? What is the number one topic that you want to teach your children during your homeschool time? And that's the first thing you do every day. 
And then maybe you'll get to the second thing and maybe you won't because you're going through really tough things. But if you get that one thing done that day, great. And if you didn't even get to that that day, well, you've got tomorrow. Okay, so maybe your very most important thing is that you're going to read aloud to your kids every day. That's your base, right? So maybe you'll get a chance to read to them that day and hopefully you will. But maybe you'll be at the doctor's all day with your sick child and you won't get to read to them. You just have tomorrow and you start over again. But I think that if you try to picture that you're going to have the same homeschool that you picture in <laughs> normal times, normal times, you're going to feel like a failure and that's going to heap the stress on you at a time that's already stressful. So, yeah, I would, I would actually write a list, a numbered list. This is the most important thing. This is the second most important thing for homeschool. Mm-hmm. Here's the third most important thing for homeschool and have it go all the way down. It'll really help you see your priorities and you just get through as many things on that list as you can each day and that's it. Mm-hmm. And you may never get to number eight. And that's okay. You have to be okay with that. You have to be okay with that. And you have to put the people ahead of the list. I think that I thought for many, many years that there were all of these things that my kids had to learn. And it was on me to teach them these things. Well, and if they didn't do it this year right now, they were ruined, right? Right. Yeah. They were ruined and I failed. Yeah. And, And instead, it's not about what they're learning. It's about how they are learning. If you are teaching your kids to be capable, lifelong learners, you don't have to have all of the things done that you want them to know at any point in your homeschool. Because if they know how to learn, they get to keep on learning on their own time frame throughout their life. Nearly everyone who goes through tough things comes out stronger on the other end. I don't think any of us would ever pick our struggles, our trials, but... At the end, you're a different person. And and when your kids are going through really tough things in your family life, they too are going to emerge as stronger, better people. When you get to the other side of that mountain, there's just going to be this amazing view and you're going to be part of that view. And your family is going to be stronger and your children will be stronger and you will be stronger and you can deal with the next mountain even better. And you will all have learned lessons that were more important than the math. Exactly. That were more important than anything else. So sometimes you have to say, this is the lesson right now. We're not going to get to all of the checklist of lessons that I wanted to this year, but we're going to learn bigger lessons. We're going to learn how to come together. We're going to learn that we can tackle problems. We're going to learn to manage and deal with stress and emotions that are running really high. We're going to learn to deal with some really tough life things, and we're going to know that we're capable because we're going to do this together. And you're going to keep in your mind and help your children see that you're going to come out better on the other end. You're not going to come out broken. You're going to come out amazing. Right. You're not going to fall off the mountain. You're going to climb it. You're going to see the view. So teaching resilience is a life skill. It's something you do every day. It's something you keep in the back of your mind all the time. Be the inner voice for your children. Help them work through tough things. Help them deal with emotions. Help them see that they can set goals and achieve things. And do these on a regular basis in your homeschool and in your family life. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope that you're not dealing with super hard things right now, but we do appreciate the community of homeschoolers that we've seen come together and really support each other in these hard times. One of my favorite things is seeing when we have people on our Facebook group say, I'm going through this tough thing. And you have so many people that jump in with support. They don't, I never see anyone condemn or complain. And they don't have all the answers. No, they don't necessarily have the answers, but they'll say, you can do it. I know you can. 
or I went through something really tough too, or I went through this, let me tell you how I dealt with it. You see that a lot. And I think that's so helpful to have that community of support. So we thank you so much for being there for each other and approaching each other with love instead of judgment. That's so important for all of us. Thank you so much for joining us today. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us today. Come and visit us at layersoflearning.com and on our Facebook group. Make sure to tune in next month for our new podcast. In the meantime, we wish you happiness in your homeschool. Have Have fun fun learning. learning!